Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, come on, you already know you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Very interesting show today, I promise. You will want to stay on for the whole hour and listen up. The buzz on the street is a quote from Bella Abzug. I'm old enough to remember who she was, lady with a lot of hats, known as Battling Bella. She lived from 1920 to 1998. She missed this whole social media era. Bella Savitsky Abzug was an American. American lawyer, U.S. representative, social activist, and a leader of the women's movement. She joined forces with feminists, including Gloria Steinem, come on, you all know these names, Shirley Chisholm, and Betty Friedan to found the National Women's Political Caucus. And her first one of her campaign slogans was, this woman's place is in the House, the House of Representatives. So I found a different quote. Listen up, everyone. The test for whether or not you can hold a job should not be the arrangement of your chromosomes. Just let that sink in. We're talking about, yes, we are, male versus female chromosomes and everything in between. So what are we talking about today? Organizations from the UN to small university clubs scattered around the country, around the world, have been trying to secure a world of equality in business for years. Come on, you read the news, you see it online, you read the papers if you still have one that exists, you know we have issues with equality in the workplace. Recently, the UN Women Global Innovation Coalition for Change shortened to GICC, WIDS, W-I-D-S, we'll explain that in a minute, NFQ, the female quotient, have created a vast ecosystem matrix. I know that's a big concept, but it's big, focused on creating change. But is it happening? Where is it happening? How fast or how slow is it or is it not happening? Well, if you pay attention to the calendar of the world, you'll know that this is the week of International Women's Day, happening March 8th. Today is the 7th, so it's tomorrow. And we have a panel of distinguished experts, outspoken ladies who are going to speak about where things stand on the quest for equality in business and what is needed to accelerate the change. So welcome to this very, very special edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. So happy to have you here. And if you're keeping track, this is episode number 361 of the little series we started back in 2011. So let me tell you who my esteemed panelists are, and then we will start with our opening quotes. First up, in a moment, I'll be introducing you to Anita Varshney. She leads strategy for SAP NextGen. She's a colleague of Anne Rosenberg, who was on a show with us a few weeks ago. And uh, so she will be talking a little bit about what Anne is doing as well as what Anita is doing. We're going to get to know her. Also joining her is Shelly Zalis, Z-A-L-I-S. She's the CEO of the Female Quotient, and we'll find all about what that is. And rounding out the panel is Judy Logan. She is a co-director of, I mentioned W. WIDS, that's the Women in Data Science Conference at Stanford University. And just a quick sidebar to Judy, I'm a programmer analyst from back in the 70s in the old key punch days when you had to climb up on a step stool to put the disk pack into the disk drive. Yes, so I remember early women in data science, and I think I wasn't leading edge, but I was certainly in that early wave of women fascinated by computers and data science. So welcome to our panelists. And now let's get started. We have first up a quote. 
Anita Varshney has sent us from Mohammed Yunus, Y-U-N-U-S. He was born in 1940. He's a Bangladeshi social entrepreneur, banker, economist, and civil society leader, and he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for founding the Grameen Bank and pioneering the concepts of microcredit and microfinance, which are certainly very important to movements of small work ethics and small work opportunities all around the world. He also received the U.S. Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009 and the Congressional Gold Medal in 2010. Here's the quote. It's a part of the quote, but it's the part we want to talk about. Making money is no fun. Contributing to and changing the world is a lot more fun. Anita Varshney, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm not going to say this morning. I'm going to say tonight because I know you're all the way around the other side of the world. How are you, Anita? Thank you, Bonnie. It's a great great pleasure to be with Judy, with with Shelly here, and talking about almost my midnight in Hong Kong here and sharing bits and pieces that I have on equality and why it matters so much in business technology and innovation. Um, Just yesterday, uh, we wrapped up uh, about 300 people, a huge event. Uh, Hong Kong is celebrating International Women Week the entire week. And we had some incredible participants who came together yesterday to support this equality movement. So, yes, coming back to the great, great quote that you had from Muhammad Yunus, um, we at SAP Next Gen truly and firmly believe that it is, it, is, it is the relentless drive that we are going together towards the sustainable global goals that we are going to go in the right direction. And about uh, two years back when we had the honor of having Hamad Yunus in our space, he deeply inspired our team. And innovation with purpose truly became uh, at heart, at core of what we are doing in, in, in our activities around the world. Uh, I have come a really long way. When uh, 10 years back, I joined PwC in India, where my work was like to really support the business leaders to set their strategy around maximizing their profits. And now today I have, and I'm, I'm blessed, truly blessed, to be surrounded by industry leaders who are coming together to do something bigger for the community as a whole. So the drive for the SDGs, it's growing. And um, uh, what better place to start at home itself when I have a great mentor like Anne Rosenberg to look up to uh, and a number of female leaders that who are working within our team as well. So uh, the, the, the journey so far has been awesome. It's amazing. And I look forward that to grow the movement of purpose together with our huge community of customers, partners, I, I would say absolutely game changers like Shelley and like, like uh, the WITS movement to really um, drive the gender equality topic. So I look forward in sharing more about what we have done with the She Innovates program with the GICC, uh, how uh, it was an incredible good chance that we started working with Stanford and, of course, with Shelley to go deeper into the corporate world, getting all the women leaders out there to join this incredible movement together. Thank you, Anita. Great introduction there. Thank you for taking the broad view on that. I want to dive in just for a moment here about the quote. This is a very provocative statement, opening with making money is no fun. Uh, a lot of people don't buy into that. They say, what's not fun about it? You can do more things. You can go more places. You can have more. But I love the way you added the word purpose to your discussion of the quote. You have to have a purpose with what you're doing, and changing the world is a lot more fun. Do you think, and I'm going to pick on the M word here for 
just a moment, Anita. I'm looking for your opinion on this. Do you think millennials are already on board with this, that making money, earning a living, being able to have the wealth or the well-being to contribute to causes and making change, do you think they already get that? Absolutely. More than me, more than our generation ever. Millennials around me and we work with about 3,600 universities. So I work with millennials all the time. And for them, uh, designing, designing processes or designing ideas around purpose is what motivates them, what drives them. Uh, money is always secondary and it's, it's absolutely fantastic to see that they want to build an idea which will bring together and support the citizens as a whole and not just drive a particular company. So I think, uh, I think we are truly, I would say, a blessed era where our, our millennials, our, our kids, they really get these topics. And it's very impressive to see, and Shelley might say more about it, when we are going to the, the, the equality lounges. Girls have these absolute fabulous ideas on the, how they want to stand up and pitch in their ideas to the best women leaders who are coming to their campuses. So absolutely, yes, I would say that this is something which I think today's millennials absolutely get and want to go after. Thank you very much, Anita. That's exactly what I was looking for, and we have a lot more to learn from you coming up during the show. But right now, let me move around the table a little bit to Shelley Zalas, the CEO of the Female Quotient. And Shelley has sent us a wonderful quote. Shelley, I really researched this one, and yes, Sarah Jessica Parker said it, and yes, so many people said it, but I think I traced it all the way back to Coco Chanel. So let's go with that one. Coco Chanel, Gabrielle Bonheur, Coco Chanel, 1883 to 1971, a French fashion designer and businesswoman. She founded the Chanel brand. And those of you who were too young to know, it's C-H-A-N-E-L, only one L, not channel. She is credited in the post-World War I era with liberating women from the constraints of what we used to call, or they used to call, excuse me, the corseted silhouette, meaning pinching the women's body in with white and all kinds of whale bones, and she popularized a sporty, casual chic as the new feminine standard of style. She developed jewelry, handbags, fragrances, and Chanel Number no. 5 is iconic. She was the first and only fashion designer listed on Time Magazine's list of the 100 most influential people of the 20th century, and her monogram is the interlocked CC used since the 1920s. Here's the quote. Listen up, everyone. Trying to be a man is a waste of a woman. Shelly Zalas, love the quote. Welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm so happy to be here on a show with so many incredible women and talking about breaking the rules and, and changing the game. So thrilled to be here. Thank you very much, Shelley. I love the quote, and forgive me for doing the research, but that's something I do before the shows. And I thought... It's too iconic to just have started three years ago with SJP, so I knew it had to be somewhere back in the day, and I'm very happy to hear that it came from so long ago. So what does this quote mean to you, and how does it relate to our topic, please, Shelley? Well, I mean, first of all, being in a category with Chanel and SJP, it doesn't get much better than that, so I'm thrilled that you expanded the category a little bit. Um, you. you. know, trying to be a man is a waste of a woman. I mean, historically in the corporate world, women have been competitive because there's been such a scarcity of jobs at the top. And, you know, one of the things that we've tried to be is just like men. We've tried to fit into the boys' club and transform and conform to the rules that were made by men for men over 100 years ago. And so this quote really spoke to me because I bring femininity. I bring my strengths to the table. Oscar Wilde says, be yourself because everyone else is taken. 
Mm-hmm. If we're all the same, we're going to be unnecessary. And it's not about the future is female. It's about the future is feminine because there's plenty of men with feminine qualities and plenty of women with masculine. The masculine, aggressive, assertive, linear, directive, the feminine, nurturing, collaborative, empathetic, passionate. We need both male, masculine, and feminine qualities in leadership today. So it really speaks to me, trying to be um, a man is a waste of a woman. Women need to stand in their strengths, own their strengths, use their voice, and stand in their power. You know, we talked about money and power. Those are taboo words typically for women. And yet, mm-hmm. if we don't own our power and stand in our ambition, we will never be successful. So that's why that quote really resonates with me. Thank you so much. And I'm so pleased you brought in the uh, Be Yourself Everyone Else Has Taken. Uh, did you say that was George Bernard Shaw or Oscar Wilde? I get those Oscar two mixed Wilde. up. Oscar Wilde. Yeah, that's Oscar Wilde. It's a beautiful quote, and I think that's really where we want to take this, trying to be a man is a waste of a woman. Be yourself. Whoever you are, whatever you bring to the table, bring, I would say bring something to the table and make it authentic and make it yours and think about what you can bring that is unique, that will change the world. So thank you so much, mm-hmm. Shelley. Love the quote, and, and I'm glad you were glad that I found Coco Chanel. By the way, there are Pinterest Pinterest and Pinterest and Pinterest with quotes from Coco Chanel. So she's either coming back, quote unquote, in fashion, or she never left being in fashion. But CC Coco Chanel was, is certainly iconic. So Shelley, we have so much more to learn from you. We'll be speaking with you in a few minutes about what the female quotient is, and I'm looking forward to that. So thank you so much. Judy Logan waiting patiently right around the table. One more stop. I'm coming to you, Judy. And Judy has sent us a quote from Rumi, R-U-M-I. I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce all of the variations of the original name except one, Jalai ad-Din Muhammad Rumi, Persian, also known as Jalai, blah, blah, blah. We'll leave that one alone. More popularly known simply as Rumi, lived from September 1207 to December 1273. He was a 13th century Persian poet, a jurist, an Islamic scholar, a theologian, and a Sufi mystic originally from Greater Khorasan. His influence transcends national borders and ethnic divisions. His poems have been translated into many of the world's languages and transposed into different formats. He has been described as, get this, not only the most popular poet, but the best-selling poet in the United States. Imagine that. He lived in the 1200s, and he's still very popular. Talk about a legacy. Here is the quote Judy has selected from Rumi. Set your life on fire. Seek those who fan your flames. Judy Logan, what a beautiful quote. How are you, Judy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today, Bonnie. We're delighted. Love the quote. Tell me something. Are you a fan of Rumi, and can you be one of the people who considers him the most popular poet in the United States? What do you think? Yes, and I uh, I just think that Rumi has had so much to say and was just so wise, and that his uh, his his material actually transcends time time frames. You know, I actually think that it sort of stands the test of time. And um, and I just love this particular quote because I I think that it's so important for all of us to sort of set really important goals for ourselves and not only set the goals that you know that you can attain, but also really set those stretch goals for ourselves. And then what's really important is to reach out and build your community. 
Um, mm-hmm. You can call it a squad or you can call it whatever you'd like, your group. Um, but what you need to do is actually find people who actually can support you and help you along the way. Very well put. J- Judy, uh, do you think that people, I'm just going to use the word people, anybody coming up through the ranks in business understands that you can benefit from mentors and teams and tribes and some of the words you just so beautifully used. Do you think people understand that you just can't be a one man, one woman, one person show? You can't do it all yourself. You need not only support, but you need input. You need people who will fan those flames, be your fandom, and you can be theirs too. Do you think that's understood or is this a lesson? we need to teach people. You know, you were talking before about the millennials, and I actually think um, I have the privilege of working with a lot of millennials um, at Stanford University, and I think they really get this. I think that they really are very good at at doing the self-advocacy in the form of trying to find their people and trying to actually seek the knowledge that other people can bring to bear um, and to help them along the way. So I've seen this, uh, I've, I've really seen this a lot with all of these students, and it's encouraging to me because I also think that it makes for a more open, um, you know, a very, a very open sort of society where people actually listen to one another and hear what one another is you know, hear one another and actually um, take advice and counsel of people who actually know more than they do. There you go. People who know more than, you know, I've heard about reverse mentorship, Judy. I, I heard about that a few years ago where younger people are, and younger, we're just talking chronology, that's it. Younger people, newer in the workplace, are mentoring people who've been there longer than they have, whether it's, whether they're physically older or not. So, yes, teams, tribes, uh, mentorship, uh, communicating, sharing knowledge, all very good. Judy Logan, very pleased to have you, and we're going to learn a lot more about WIDS from you in a few minutes. Let's circle back around the table to Anita Varshney, and this is the part of the show where we get to know our panelists a little more up close and personal because our listeners around the world want to know Who are our thought leaders? Who is speaking? What is their background? What do you bring to the table? Why were you selected to be on this show? And we're going to find out. So Anita Varshney, three questions. Anita, number one, where in the world are you today? I know, but we're going to find out. Number two, what's your favorite drink? What powers Anita? What makes you happy to get up and go to work and do what you do? And number three, what is your role as a strategy lead for SAP NextGen? Anita, you're up. So I am. Uh, I live. I live in Hong Kong, and I'm Hong Kong right now. Been here for ten years. Uh, what do I love? What powers me? Um, I love coffee. Uh, just any uh, any good cozy small coffee shop would do absolutely fine for me. Uh, or it could be a local chai shop uh, because I'm back home in India. So for me, <clears throat> more than the coffee, what matters is whom I'm having the coffee with because I get really charged. When I have coffee with people who are fierce, passionate, somewhat like Shelley, absolutely unapologetic, and they go after their dreams so fiercely, so 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 passionately that I am inspired. I'm inspired to do more uh, in my role that I do at, at SAP. That I'm inspired to do more personally with my boys. So I think for me, uh, what powers me is meeting these incredible people and learning from them. There's never stopping to learn from them. 
just a small story. Um, the beautiful space that we have at 48th floor in Hudson Yards at SAP, um, uh, Anne and myself, the vision was that what, what will get the biggest, um, the future leaders, the futuristic, the people who have the right conversations to this floor would be the right coffee conversations. And that's where we thought, let's have the best coffee here. Because mm-hmm. uh, guess what? Coffee really inspires the best ideas and we only want to work with the best ideas. Um, and your last question about my role at SAP. So uh, what I'm doing, uh, uh, originally I started uh, as a business consultant uh, uh, working on strategies with some of the biggest customers in APAC. And now uh, in my role, I work with my team members around the world, helping them roll out the vision that we put together together with Anne and the other global team members. We work with innovation with purpose, with gender equality, uh, citizens' agenda, among other topics. But the most important topic which binds them all is we work with keeping purpose in the heart of it. We work for the citizens and absolutely for, our, for all the big brands who are using SAP or touching the lives uh, of people around the world. Thank you, Anita. You said something that reminded me of a a quick story I just want to share. I also produce and host my own personal TV show for many years called Something to Talk About. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. been here a year and a half, formerly from New York, for those where I was born and raised. And I recently had a local coffee roaster company come on my TV show. And I asked the gentleman who is the founder and and who leads this business, uh, I said, what is your favorite coffee? And he looked at me, he sources coffee from coffee farmers all over the world, sometimes very unknown places, unexpected places. And he said, Bonnie, the best coffee is the coffee to which you attach a great experience. He said, ask anybody about their favorite coffee. It will come with a story. Where were you when you had that cup? Where was that cafe? Where was that gathering? Where was that social engagement that you were with? It always comes with a memory and with good thoughts. So I really appreciate what you said about you and Ann Rosenberg wanting to have great coffee to spark ideas and innovation. Thank you, Anita. I really I enjoyed remembering my story. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on. And thanks for staying up late. We are very appreciative of that. Let's move around the table to Shelly Zala. Shelly, love to know where are you today? What drives you? And tell us about the female quotient. When, where, how, what's going on? Talk to me. Uh, thank you. First of all, I am in New York City today. I commute to New York from Los Angeles on United Airlines, so I always say I live on United. Um, I am on the uh, top of the Chrysler building on the 71st floor, and I just had an unplugged conversation with Princess Beatrice talking about how we can be leadership, you know, leaders of change and activate change and the reimagination of princesses and the power that they possess and the influence that they have. So uh, it's a wonderful way to be celebrating International Women's Week. And then I'm off to Minneapolis, Chicago, and Austin in three days. So I will definitely be uh, moving around a little bit. Wow. Um, and I, you know, I totally agree with Anita on, you know, really the drinks that you have really impact the experiences. And that's what it's all about for me. Of course, coffee at the center of all. I have a grande, non-fat latte, extra hot, no foam, one sweet and low. That is um, my <laughs> drink of record. Um, it is consistently difficult, so <laughs> but I'm always consistent. <laughs> so once you know me, you know that that's the drink that I have. And, of course, at night it's a California Cabernet, and it's all about 
you know, girlfriend conversation and how we will, you know, how we're better together and we're going to work together to make a difference. So those are really my two drinks of choice. Thank you. And what do you do? Tell me about the female quotient. Where did it start? How, when, what did you do to put it together and how is it going? The female quotient actually started by accident. Um, The name came first, the intelligence quotient IQ, then came the emotional quotient EQ, now comes the female quotient FQ. When you add more women to any equation, there's a return on equality. And so it really started by accident. I was the only female CEO in the top 25 my entire career. I am the pioneer of online research. Have you ever taken a survey on the Internet? Mm-hmm. Okay, so sorry, not sorry, but I'm the mother of that invention. (laughs) And so (laughs) that was really my claim to fame in business was pioneering online research, moving research from offline to online. So I was on in the business of, of market research. And then I realized one day, you know, I'm so sick of hearing that diversity is good for business and yet we're going backwards. So mm-hmm. I decided to go into the business of equality. And I wanted to go to the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, in Las Vegas, I heard there was 150,000 people that attend and less than 3% were women. And even for a CEO like me, or my nickname is Chief Troublemaker, I didn't want to go by myself. I thought, A, it would be boring, you know, it won't be fun mm-hmm. by myself, and B, I'm going to be invisible in, you know, an ocean of men. So I invited four girlfriends. I said, let's go together. And I said, if you know other women, invite them. And 24 hours later, 50 women showed up, and two remarkable things happened. One, all the guys' heads turned, like, where did all you women come from? And that's when I coined the power of the pack moment. A woman alone has power collectively We have impact. And the second thing was this moment of confidence. I was surrounded by women just like me with some of the same challenges and hiding our greatest strengths. And so I created the Girls' Lounge, which was to combat the boys' club, opposite a boy-girl, opposite a club lounge. And today we've connected over 17,000 women globally, you know, know, corporate women globally to support one another. And then, of course, the female quotient became the bigger umbrella all around this concept of business of equality and creating measurement for accountability and solutions for change and holding us all accountable for making a difference in the world. And, of course, our partners, as Anita said, with SAP, will be opening permanent lounges, which are now called the FQ Lounge, Home of Equality, in university campuses in 116 countries with SAP, empowering this next generation of women. You're making me tired and listening to you making me tired because I want to know, Shelly Zalas, do you ever sleep? Come on. You're busy beyond busy, busy, busy. How do you keep track of all of this activity, all of these people? Mm-hmm. You just said you were on the phone with Princess Beatrice, for goodness sake. No, I'm with her. She's here right you're, now. I'm with you're, her right You're now. with her. So the question is, do you wake up every morning and say, oh, my goodness, look at the life I've developed for myself? Is it, is it as exciting to you as it sounds to us? Yeah, you know what? It's amazing. I, you know, you, I've, I've made it. It didn't just emerge and there was a no business of equality. I, I write the script as I'm, I'm living and breathing it. And I think Anita said this, when purpose meets passion, you're unstoppable. So every day I wake up with purpose and passion in my DNA and I do not sleep much. Don't tell Ariana Huffington. She'll be very <laughs> upset about that. But I, I, when I'm in a relaxed mode is when these 
ideas come to to life, and then of course bringing our partners together to activate these step changes is what um, really turns me on the most. Knowing that all of us are uniting on common causes, and when you put us all together, we truly are unstoppable, and there is no no in our vocabulary. It's yes and, and then we find solutions to make it happen. Thank you very much, and do you know yes and is also a mantra for doing improv. You never say no to your partner in a scene. Yes and, you raise the bar, you raise the excitement, and you go to another level. Thank you for that, Shelley. Such a pleasure. Very privileged to have you on the show today, as I feel about all of our panelists. And let's go around to Judy Logan. Judy, same three questions. Number one, where are you in the world today? Number two, what's your favorite drink? What powers you to do all of your wonderful work? And tell us about W-I-D-S, the Women in Data Science Conference, please. Sounds good. So I'm in Stanford, uh, Stanford University in California, and uh, so I'm very, very happy to be joining you from there. And um, you were talking about the beverage of choice, so I really mm-hmm. liked what Anita was saying about, um, about how it's, what's important is the other person that you're having this beverage with. And also, I'd actually elaborate a little more and to say that context is everything. And you were talking about um, also how an experience, the experience is what makes the beverage the best cup of coffee, um, mm-hmm. your other guest, Bonnie. Yes. And so I'd like to tell a little story about that. Um, my husband and I are avid travelers. And... We also really like to um, to run around a place in order to get to know it. And we um, were able to find a running club in Penang, Malaysia, when we were there about 20 years ago. And we went to this, uh, this we went to meet up with this group and discovered that we were going to be running through a jungle. And so, you know, ever ever ready for a challenge, we... Um, we went up the hill and then went into the jungle, and it was an amazing experience. There was absolutely, um, we were, the, the canopy was completely covered with brush. Um, we were sort of slipping and falling because it was also very uh, humid inside the, inside the jungle, and we were trying to keep up with all of the other runners in the jungle so that we didn't get stuck in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And, um it was just a, a, an incredibly amazing experience. Um, and, but as you can imagine, the jungle being a jungle, um, the, and the humidity that was with that, running in the jungle made us, you know, we lost a lot of moisture ourselves. So when we got back to the place where we started, I had the best punch I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I have never been so thirsty as I was that day. And the other thing is that I got to share it with these people who, to that point, were total strangers, but who I got to know through this experience. And we then continued, um, went to some hopper stalls and had dinner and continued to talk with these wonderful people. And I met people from all over Malaysia um, who were were working in Penang and just, you know, communed through running on a weekly basis. And so it's just a fascinating group to be with, a great experience, and the best cup of anything I've ever had. What a wonderful so, story. Thank you. What was in the punch? Did you ever get the recipe? 
It doesn't even matter. I have no idea what was in that bucket. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> I have no Sounds idea. delicious. It was just the best cup of anything ever because I needed it so badly. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us about WIDS. Wids. love to know the origin of the organization. When did you start it? So WIDS stands for Women in Data Science. And mm-hmm. you were talking about what drives you. You were asking the question about what drives you. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're all sort of hearing a lot about machine learning and artificial intelligence and data science all the time. And we know that this is, there's an incredible opportunity for for people to actually join in to this great, great, you know, uh, technological opportunity that also is affecting people's lives on a daily basis. It's expect it's actually um, affecting people's day to day interactions. It's um, and their opportunities. And so, one thing that drives me is that is realizing that women do not have nearly a big enough role in that in that field as they should. So despite the fact that, um, you know, undergraduate degrees are only being, uh, you know, but females actually are, are not well represented. There's, it's between 20 and 30%. Um, a lot of times it's in the low 20s where, where technical degrees and uh, degrees that are relevant to that, those fields are, um, are, are, you know, obtained by women. And so, um, and even despite all of the the initiatives for STEM education, for women, those numbers aren't changing very much in mm-hmm. terms of the percentage. The numbers are going up, but the percentages are not. Hmm. And so Women in Data Science is really an initiative where we have this global conference as well as a datathon and a podcast. But the global conference is what I'll concentrate on today. We actually had... Um, our conference at Stanford University, but we also have it at 150 regional events worldwide in 57 countries, and um, SAP has been uh, part of that, a uh, big part of that over the years. Um, they actually are, are some are our collaborators on this initiative, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to inspire women to join the field. We're trying to educate people regardless mm-hmm. of gender. Men are definitely welcome to attend. Yes. Um, we have, but what we do is we feature female speakers so that um, it, you can see it to be it. And then we also support women who are in the fields because retention is also an issue. If you go into a, a certain position and you don't feel supported, you're not going to stay there. So we actually also try to support women who are in the field. Thank you very much. Very, very happy to meet you as well, Judy, and thank you for doing what you do. I have to uh, give an announcement here. Dave Fowler put together the show. David is the former sponsor of one of my 42 Game Changer series, The Future of Business. And Dave, to your credit, people are still listening all around the world to those shows, which are in archives. But Dave was kind enough to put together this wonderful panel today, and Dave loves to tell me what is in his cup today. So here we go. Dave Fowler says he is drinking double, or he's drinking or planning to drink, we'll leave that one alone, Double Rice IPA by Detroit's Kunin, K-U-H-N-H-E-N-N Brewing Company, LLC. Thank you very much, Dave. We appreciate that. And I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. As I mentioned, it's a beautiful sunny day, but it's in the 30s today. We're, we go between 76 degrees in the afternoon some days and 24 at night. So I didn't know what moving to the south was going to mean, and I'm finding out it means absolutely 
any temperature, any weather, any time of the year goes. That's all I can tell you. But I am not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days. I'm telling this to my panelists. And you probably figured out why, because I love what I do. I get to talk to really smart, interesting, fascinating people like the three of you about topics that are interesting to the world. And that's that's what fuels me. So I'm going to make an executive decision here, ladies, Anita, Shelley, and Judy. We're not taking a break because it's 38 after, and we've got so much more to talk about. So Anita Varshney, I'm just going to dive right into the roundtable statements you sent me before the show. And here's one that I think will crystallize and focus us on and highlight what we're really talking about. Let me read a little bit from this statement, and then let's keep it, ladies, to 90 seconds to two minutes from each of you around the table quickly on your thoughts on the statement. So Anita says, boardrooms are increasingly reflecting the streets we walk on. Leading organizations are bringing women to the forefront, recognizing their thought leadership and giving voice to the fresh approaches for tackling some of the world's most pressing challenges. Anita, why don't you start us off on, give us a little more context or a little more flavor on this, and then we'll see what Shelley has to say and Judy. Anita, go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, this is, oh, I mean, coming back to what Shelly just mentioned, uh, we absolutely realize that future is absolutely feminine. And the, the future cannot go if we don't have the, the both men and women equally represented. So women, uh, what we've seen in the last few years, especially with our big customers, they are clearly leading our journey to the UN Global Goals. And of course, we all know achieving the SDGs is not, not, not a simple task in any way. Uh, we just had a recent study done about uh, a year back where it was behind every successful goal, we will have a woman driving it. And why a women leader? Because women live and breathe communities above the rest. We are just, uh, we are just go-getters there. We, we have the power to drive change and, and, and these come so naturally to us. So yes, uh, when we are, whether it was with the, the movement, which started with, with, in our team, with GICC, with the UN Women, where we were bringing together big corporates to work together on ideas that you can really make these changes to have more women, more girls uh, at, in, 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 in the work, uh, in senior management and right up to the top, uh, it was um, beautifully supplemented when we reached out together to team up with Shelley, where we are actually seeing that, that there are actually women out there who are already walking the talk. So mm-hmm. why not bring it down and make the universities, make our young women more aware about it? So for me, uh, it has been a truly, I would say, an enlightenment uh, when I, I saw the different realms uh, and different age groups who are excellent uh, who are doing absolutely fabulous no matter which part of their life they are in these women are making statements and with our team what we have done is whether it's with the with the equality lounges with reaching out to more girls at universities mm-hmm. and telling more about data scientists what we have done is we the teaming up with these incredible change makers like Judy and Shelley we are just making this movement bigger. So, yes, I would say that it starts small. We can start small, but it is and it will go right up to the boardroom. Thank you very much. Good start to that topic. Shelly Zalis, join us. Thoughts on the boardroom? How much percents, numbers are we seeing? Um, honorary board members? Oh, you're a woman. Let's get you on the board. We need diversity. We need inclusion. We need to meet a quota. Or are these serious appointments? What's your observation? Well, listen, we have a long way to go, but you start by starting. And, 
You know, I've always said I, I, I never wanted a seat at the table to fill a quota. I want a seat at the table because I'm the best for the table. And what was interesting is I gave a keynote speech with the former CEO of Deloitte, Barry Salzberg, a couple of years ago. And, you know, his speech was, you know, 10 steps to the top or something. And mine was called Bring a Motion to the Boardroom. And, you know, all about the power of emotion. And we tend to apologize. I've been told my whole career there's no room for emotion in the boardroom. So what did I do? I wrote a speech and presented it to thousands of people saying, bring emotion to the boardroom. Because it is just so important. People, passion, purpose. There is nothing wrong with, you know, having those conversations. It's not just about numbers. And so Barry pulled me aside after the keynote and he said to me, Shelly, I love that. He says, I want to tell you something. He said, we hired our first um, female CEO in the, U- in the U.S. for Deloitte. And I said, why? To fill a quota or because you wanted to have a more collaborative environment? He said, let me tell you something. He said, we had 24 people on the board. There were only three women, and they never spoke up. I said, so what would you do? He said, I got rid of five guys, added five more women. Now it's eight out of 24. And I said, what happened? He said, all of a sudden, the table turned. The conversations became more conversational, more collaborative, you know, not just talking about the what, but talking about the why. And the original three women that were quiet all of a sudden became vocal with strong, you know, very important, you know, opinions on how to do business. And I just think that that's a really important statement, that it's not just about diversity for diversity's sake, and it's not just about diversity with gender, it's not just about diversity with race, it's also not just about diversity with age, which we always forget about, it Mm -hmm. really does create diversity of thought. And that whole, you know, dynamic, that tension of different opinions is what makes business better. And when you think about, have you ever seen Who Loves to Be a Millionaire? Mm -hmm. Sure. The show? Yep. So you get three options, 50-50, 50% chance of being right, phone a friend. If your friend is an expert, hopefully she's going to know the answer. But the one that wins every time is ask the audience, a random um, group of people that I think, like wisdom of the crowds, is right 94% of the time. And so I think that that is what we're starting to see is we are filling the table with diversity because we know that our business, bottom line, across the board, innovation, bottom line business success, ROI, as well as you know, thinking forward and, and taking some chances on out-of-the-box thinking, coloring out of the line, is starting to happen when we see that diversity at the table. Thank you, Shelley. I'm glad you mentioned all of that. Yes, absolutely. Let's get Judy Logan in here. Judy, thoughts about representation on the boardroom at the table. What do you think? What do you see? Well, what I love about Anita's statement is that she said that you're giving voice to fresh approaches, and I think that that's really the key. Um, and I think, Shelley, you talked about it as diversity of thought. And I just think that that is actually why diversity is so important and that it's going to be important, even more important, um, moving forward. Um, because if you, if you all look the same, if you're all, if you all have the same perspective, if you all, then things are going to be done the same way. You actually have to keep things fresh. You're not going to be competitive if you don't in the, in whatever group you are in, whether it's a business or, or if you're at a university. If you don't actually keep moving, if you don't keep fresh approaches, if you don't keep new ideas coming, then you're going to fall behind. And this world is such a fast place. 
uh, fast-paced place, and it's getting even more so with every passing year. So it's just crucial to have to give the voice uh, to a wider variety of people so that you have these fresh ideas, so that you have this diversity of thought that Shelley was talking about. And, um, and that's why I'm so passionate about what I'm doing with this Women in Data Science, because it's actually allowing women the opportunity to be heard, to actually talk about their work, to talk about their research, to talk about the ways they're applying data science to a whole a wide range of domains. Um, just, you know, at the Stanford conference earlier this week, we actually heard about reinforcement learning. We heard about how uh, statistics are going to be applied in the cr- criminal justice system. Um, we just heard all of these wonderful talks from these women who don't get very many opportunities to speak. Conferences are often often have all-male panels. And um, so now, actually, if you give voice to women, you actually get a whole different set of perspectives. And why wouldn't you want that? Thank you very much, Judy. Thank you. Good topic around the table. We have time to cover one more. And Shelley Zalit says, your list, it's number two in what you sent me. And let's just go for it. This, I think, needs to be talked about. You say where we are with equality in 2019, 2018 was a great moment for breaking the silence and creating consequences for bad behavior. Shelley Zalis, give us an overview. What would you like to mention on this? And then we'll add Judy and we'll add Anita to the conversation. Go ahead. Listen, I think that we are living in um, the post-movement era and how do we really adjust around it. So it's, it's what I say. I think it was amazing for breaking the silence and, and encouraging women that we're all in this together and using our voices is what is incredibly important. I think we have created consequences for bad behavior, but what we need to do now is create positive, proactive solutions for change because most men are not Harveys. You know, men are good and we need men to be part of the solution Gender equality is not a female issue. It's a social and economic issue. We're all in this together. I call it we for we, um, and that's how change will happen. We can't just talk to ourselves. You know, we all need to activate change. And so I think that working together and really doing whole new education and awareness of what is okay and not okay in the post-movement era is very important because there are studies right now that are very disturbing, and we have to reverse the trend Cheryl Sandberg just did a study with SurveyMonkey, and what it showed is that 50% of men today don't want to work with women because they're afraid to do or say the wrong thing. Mm. That is not okay. We mm. all need to be comfortable with, you know, working together, or we will certainly go backwards in a whole other way, you know, because in general, we still leadership is still predominantly men. We need them to mentor and sponsor us. And so if men don't want to have dinner alone with women, then they shouldn't have dinner alone with men. Like, we need to be better than this, and we are better than this. And so, you know, we are doing a lot of education, not just with women and every generation. If you tell me I look nice in the workplace, I'm going to say, thank you, I'm 57. But if you tell a younger woman they look nice, they might take that the wrong way. We need to get past micro-sensitivities, number one. And number two, we need to work with men with what is okay and not okay to say because what might be okay for one person might not be okay for someone else. So I think we are living in a new day and age. Um, and most importantly, we need to communicate 
and share. And so if a woman feels uncomfortable, before you report that person for sexual harassment, first say to them, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. Let's make someone aware of the fact um, of what is okay and not okay for, for each of us individually. And then take it from there so that this trend um, of men not wanting to work with women is a blip on the radar screen and does not become the new norm. We must fix that immediately. Thank you, Shelley. I The thing that stood out among all the brilliant things you just said is you said, let's get past micro-sensitivities, and you related it to somebody saying to somebody in business, I like what you're wearing today, or you look great today, and what different, let's just say different generational demographics might, how they might respond to that. That's been on my mind for a long time. I, I work from a home office doing my broadcasting now, but I spent years in business for working for big companies in offices, and I'm very aware. And I have to tell you uh, very briefly, and Judy, we're going to bring you into this next, and then Anita. One day I was taken aside by a female coworker. I worked for Chase Manhattan Bank back in the day when it was called Chase Manhattan Global Cash Management. I wrote a newsletter called the Chase Global News, and I I uh, did all kinds of interesting marketing things, uh, videos, and I ran corporate events at the Greenbrier and blah, blah, blah. And a woman took me aside and she said, we don't like the way you dress. You are wearing a scarf in your hair. You do not look corporate enough. We are sending you for training on how to dress in the workplace. I had a sports jacket on, stockings, heels, skirt, dress every day, lipstick on, looked extremely presentable. They didn't like my style. So they told a woman to take me behind the partition, Shelley, and tell me that I didn't look the way they wanted me to look. And then they had my boss, who was a man, who couldn't keep his shirt tucked in. He always looked like a slob, tell me they were enrolling me in Dress for Success training. Shelley, can you react to that quickly? We're talking back in the 80s. Listen, you know, you're talking to a girl that's been there, done that. I used to think I was supposed to wear pantsuits and my hair in a bun so that I would just blend in. And yes. I remember going to this lunch meeting with this woman named Penelope Queen, and she was the head of research, global research for Saatchi and Saatchi. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to wear makeup, and I'm going to wear my hair in a bun, and, you know, I was young and whatever. And I show up at this meeting, and I say to the um, major D, I'm here to see Penelope Queen. He says, oh, right this way. I walk over to the table, and there's this woman wearing this purple leather skirt and jacket and so feminine and beautiful. And I remember this one moment where I said, so well, and I whipped my hair out of my bun, shook my hair, and that was this moment, you know, I call them heartbeat moments, where I realized I'm going to dress the way I want to dress. And it was such a, a great moment for me, and from that day on, you know, I evolved completely. You know, I went through all stages. I went back to pantsuits down the road, you know, of course, yes. Hillary Clinton. But I ended up wearing dresses and skirts and, you know, really owning my femininity and not trying to apologize for it. Sorry, not sorry. But really, you know, really <laughs> stepping in to it. And so I can relate to that story. I had a smile on my face as you were sharing. I figured you would. And ladies, we are out of time. I've got three and a half minutes left to close the show. So here's what we're going to do. Instead of 60 to 90 seconds each for predictions, I'm going to give you two sentences 
not two huge paragraphs, two sentences each on what you think will change between now and 2020 is just around the corner. That's too soon. Now in 2025, and I am inviting you all back for part two in a couple of months to continue the conversation. So don't feel like we've been cut off. We just have to have to end the show. So uh, let's start with Anita Varshney. Anita, two sentences. What do you want to change about the equality and business issue between now and 2025? Just two sentences. Go, Anita. Judy, get ready. And uh, Shelly, get ready. You're next. Go ahead, Anita. Um, I would rather say that um, the exponential change that I see happening around me already will actually bring us to a great, great equality place and it's not no longer be a topic after some years. So I am inspired by the, the exponential change happening around me, whether it's with my kids, whether it's with the millennials, whether it's with the corporate leaders that I meet every day. I'm truly optimistic in the, in the direction that we are heading. And if a mother like me teaches their son that we are all equal, I think our goals are achieved. So uh, uh, I would go with, you know, just do your best. Like, uh, I was actually exactly like Shelly. Uh, I just come into my workplace, deliver, be my best, and that's it. Uh, we go after our passion, we uh, we deliver, and we achieve what we want to do together for the community. So, yes, I think we are uh, we are going into a positive direction, and I think... Um, we, if we work hand in hand, uh, building our best, bringing our best abilities together, we can run communities together, we can serve citizens, and we can use technology for the greater good. Thank you very much. Two sentences. Shelly Zalis, you're up. Predict. I would say we're going to flip the script. We're going to flip the balance. We're going to transform culture. We're, of course, going to break the rules um, that make no sense and rewrite them. And most importantly, work together to close the wage gap and have at least 30% of women at every threshold in the workplace. That's when change will happen. Thank you very much. And Judy Logan, you're up. Thirty, Just two sentences. Go ahead. We're almost done. Okay. So I just want the momentum to continue for positive change. And uh, one thing we say, um, the, my co-directors, Marco Garrison and Karen Mathis and I, one thing we talk about is we hope that actually we will be, our Women in Data Science initiative will become irrelevant over time, that it becomes something where parity is achieved, and uh, we don't need to do this anymore. Thank you very much. Three of you ladies, I am so pleased to have met you. I am inviting you back. David Fowler will work with me to get a date. If you'd love to come back, we'd love to have you. No prep work, just a new opening quote. We can use everything you sent. We have so much more to talk about. I'll send you dates for May probably. So I want to thank my three panelists, Ann Rosenberg. We missed you on the show today. Thank you for bringing Anita to us. We really enjoyed meeting Anita. Shelley and Judy, keep up your wonderful work. Dave Fowler, thank you so much. Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire thanks for getting us on the air Colleen Raftery nice to see you on Twitter we appreciate that and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for it's International Women's Day week be aware be awake be wise open your eyes and do something to bring change and equality to business yes so the bottom line go out and be a game changer today just like Anita Varshney at SAP Next Gen just like Shelley Zalis at The Female Quotient and just like Judy Logan at WIDS, WIDS Women in Data Science. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Be a game changer. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, 
hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 